The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast here, and today we've got a special go-to-market episode for you, which is going to be guest-hosted by Jordan Crawford, who is the co-founder and CEO of Blueprint Go-to-Market. Jordan is a demand-gen and go-to-market expert, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, Here's a go-to-market episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Jordan Crawford from Blueprint GTM. Hello, marketers. My name is Jordan Crawford from Blueprint, and today we're talking all about email deliverability for scaling sales teams with Sam Took. Sam ran an email service writer for five years. He has helped deliver mail for 80,000 B2B SMBs sent billions of emails a month, ran 60 plus mail servers, and built delivery software with 6,000 installs. Now he's the CEO of Lightmeter. And today we're gonna talk about deliverability email 101. Okay, here's my conversation with Sam Took. Thanks for coming on the show, Sam. Great to be here, Jordan, thanks for having me. That's quite an impressive resume here of deliverability. I have always felt about email deliverability that it's this gigantic black box and there's one person at Google and one person at Microsoft that know how this thing works. And I feel that I'm buying snake oil every time I think about these email warming tools that send generic messages to your box. And I cannot believe that Google doesn't know that that's not real email. So. Can you just talk about email deliverability 101, help open that black box for us? Absolutely. So you said you think there's like one guy who knows what's really happening inside those companies. And yeah, there's probably a few more than one, but there's probably not that many, right? These guys are crazily overworked and they're kind of attacked on all sides. Like let's let's have some compassion for the Gmail sysadmins, right? They've got spam coming from within their network in the trillions, right? They've got spam coming from outside their network. So they're doing the best with the tools they've got and they're super efficient with all this like automation going on. It's not like they're laser guided in their different systems for your particular sales campaign, your sales outreach stuff. They're not gunning for you, they're gunning for their users and for you as a Gmail customer, which many marketers and salespeople are also using Gmail. So 
they're not the enemy and they're far from perfect. And there's way more marketers and salespeople than there are sysadmins at, at, at these companies. So we've got numbers on our side as far as getting quality content that's relevant. So let's talk about that. You talk about quality content that's relevant, but why does that matter? Why can't I send a bunch of email at scale and have it delivered and not get into the promotion inbox? And how do I even know what quality content means so that I'm not getting in spam? Keep unpacking that for me. So there's different metrics people use, and some of them are old and some of them are newer. As many of your audience would be aware, some of the traditional metrics like open rate and click rate, they're not so reliable as they once were. So what does quality mean from a performance perspective? Well, replies and conversions is an obvious but always true answer. And ultimately, that's what people pay for, right? That's why we're interested in email as a channel because of the extent to which you can get results. And when it's used right, it can get really great results. So what does quality look like from Google's perspective or where is there an intersection between our definition of quality and companies like Gmail's definition? Well, if there aren't too many spam reports, if there aren't people who are replying saying they want to sue you because what you're saying isn't true, if people are engaging with your content, regardless of whether it's marketing or sales-based, and I'm differentiating there in terms of bulk newsletter stuff versus more personalized plain text stuff on the sales side. So, I mean, that stuff's fairly obvious, but it's also what we both pay attention to on each side of the fence here. Google's looking to see if people are opening, scrolling through, replying, if they basically want to get your message. And you, as the person responsible for the campaigns and the sequences, you want to see that engagement too. So engagement comes from relevance and a term that I've heard used for, which is resonance. So how do you achieve that? Well, it's a combination of infrastructure because you need the message to get to the inbox in order for it to have a chance to be relevant or to resonate. And then once it's actually meeting human eyeballs, it needs to be relevant in terms of the timing, the content and the audience. And that's more your department, Jordan, with the advice and consulting that you provide. Boy, this is so hard though, because I want to go one layer deep here because you have to test into this, right? You'll just never know until you test. And if you're not getting into the inbox, how do you test? And if you burn your domain, how do you know? So can you talk about if I'm thinking about testing and I don't have a service like Lightmeter, what are the volumes that I should be thinking about? How do I know that things are getting into the inbox? And then tell me at what scale, when I sort of find it, when do I need a Lightmeter? When do I need a, a, a service or to hire a tool to help me really make sure that I'm getting in the inbox? If you're using open rates, it's fantastic. It's possible to get fantastic open rates, right? You can achieve 80 to 90% open rates on your email if it's super relevant and you're sending small batches and you've done a good job of targeting the value proposition. I'm, I'm talking about sales mail here. So like, I mean, you can benchmark your own performance against your own personal best in that sense. If you've ever achieved 60% open rate, or if you've ever achieved like 10% call rate or engagement rate in terms of a reply, you know, that's achievable. So that's your benchmark for your content and your industry. And if that goes downhill suddenly, then you know that something's going wrong. That's an obvious way. There are lots of tools out there. Some of them are better than others. Inbox placement tools is one category. These are services where you add usually addresses to the list of contacts you're sending out to. It might be called a seed list by some of these companies. And it's basically checking where your message arrives once you send it. Is it going into the promotions tab? Is it arriving at all? Is it going into the inbox? You usually pay per credit. You might need to set it up to check daily, weekly, monthly, that kind of thing. They work to some degree in our experience. So they're always a limit sample size, those tools. They, of course, can't test all different kinds of services. Some of them offer multiple categories. If you're sending to enterprise customers, then that's a different profile of user. 
And you can't necessarily test inbox placement results for consumer inboxes or for a service that generally targets consumers if you're sending to enterprise and such, but it gives you an indicator. So there aren't precision tools out there that can generally give you an indisputable answer here. But the best way I would say is to benchmark against what you've seen, what you have heard from others in your industry achieving, and what you started out with. Because what we often see with our customers is the reason that they're excited about email at all as a channel is that they have had great results at some point. Often they start out with really great results and that's what encourages them to continue in this vein. And that has shown them what's possible. And then it goes downhill from there because of volumes or because they don't cycle their content enough or their targeting gets sloppy, that kind of thing. You asked about specific volumes when people might have a problem, when things might go south. So let's say certainly in the 100 to 150 messages per day range, you're asking for trouble. I would say if you exceed that, I mean, regardless of what kind of content and targeting you're doing, it's very hard to not get flagged as spam by Google and end up with your account being suspended if you're using Google or Microsoft as the sending engine in that range. But it's possible to trigger the spam at much lower volumes, even sending 60 or 70 messages per day. I've heard of even lower volumes in some cases, depending on the content. If it's obvious that you're sending marketing mail, like if you're connecting your Google account or your Outlook account to something like a HubSpot marketing module, and you're sending out exactly the same content with lots of images, you'll probably not be able to send more than one campaign before that domain takes a hit on its reputation, then it won't be good for sending any other kind of content either. Which is why it's good to separate out what we call your mail flows onto different domains, which are dedicated to different purposes. So sales on one domain, or ideally multiple, but let's keep it simple, sales on one domain, marketing on another domain, and your office mail on another domain. And that just basically groups your risk into different buckets. And the more you want to protect yourself, the further we can go with that. Like separate Google workspaces tends to also be a good idea to isolate your sending. And if you want to be really careful, you can separate further and have only one mailbox on each of those domains. So you have one domain per person, basically. But then you end up with a ton of domains pretty fast. At that point, it probably makes more sense to bring in a company like us who specialize in scaling with the sales outreach rather than you and your team having to pay for, manage, warm, and throttle on a daily basis all these domains for your kind of growing outreach empire. Let's talk about a specific example here. So maybe you can educate me, Sam, because when I run tests with my clients, we don't test more than 100 to 200 leads in any given sequence, and we're only testing for signal. There's no reason to scale if I know the message is not resonating, right? And then we kill that campaign or make drastic changes, change the audience, change the list. But let's say they're not using your service. Let's say that they're using a tool like Outreach or Salesoft or, or Mixmax just on their main domain. And let's also make an assumption that the people listening here are semi-professionals and they're really not sending generic mail about that's not relevant to each person. So let's assume that that's sort of in the ballpark of personalized. How many emails can I send a day where I shouldn't be worried about my reputation? Because I do probably just want to test by myself without hiring a tool. So what does that look like? Is that 20 emails a day? Do I have to warm up the inbox? Can you give me a 101 recipe at low volumes for testing before I need to engage with a light meter? So you need to warm the domain in any case. If it's a new domain, it's a bit like with credit rating. If you've got no history, that's the same as a bad history with these services. So if it's a new domain or a new subdomain, you need to establish a reputation. You can do that yourself manually if you don't want to use third-party services. If you've got enough mailboxes, maybe you've got access to 10 different accounts or workspaces or friends with that or what have you. You can do that or you can hire a service. 
once you've established the reputation of the domain sufficient to do your initial testing, then it does depend on how the test goes as well, because it doesn't take more than a couple of junk reports to sync that first test and you know mean that you'd need to potentially fix that reputation over the next two weeks, again, with more warming and other remediation measures or to register a new domain. But if you've got relatively good results from that test, so let's say if you've got something like 30% plus open rate, maybe a 1% plus engagement rate, by which I mean a reply or a click, then yeah, you should be able to do maybe 100 to 150 messages a day for that first week without too much trouble and assuming you've already established the reputation of the domain. Now that is going to change if the second week you send a different test and you get people clicking junk, your engagement rate drops dramatically with the signals. You probably got a couple weeks leeway before you'll see this in a major way. You know, it's harder to fix. Maybe you have a grace period of a couple of weeks of deteriorating engagement, but at some point it will hit the reputation of the domain and you're going to need to to take steps to fix that. Or you're going to just have to live with lower engagement rates because Google will probably let you settle at a lower delivery rate. So they'll be putting a high percentage of your sequences into the promotions tab and maybe some of it into the junk. You'll still be getting into the inbox some of the time, most likely, unless you're sending really bad stuff. But it's up to you as to how much effort you want to take or invest in order to get up those engagement rates again by getting into the inbox. Really depends on the value of what you're sending, I guess. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. This is starting to make it clearer for me. Let's just assume that I'm starting up a brand new domain and you talk about warming. So what's the sort of one, two, three of register domain? Here's kind of the quick steps to do that. Is there a difference between warming the domain and warming an individual inbox? And then when can I start sending even at low volumes, 20 to 30 to 40 emails a day just to test? What is the quick kind of one, two, three of that setup before then I find it so that I can scale it and hire other services to help me there? My advice would be register a new domain, warm it for at least seven days with a service that works. One of the best services, there are lots of warming services. 
you should know that it works because either you're using inbox placement testing tools that are third party that you trust, or you're trusting deliverability yourself, sending some emails to Gmail or your target destination. You're seeing that they're arriving in the inbox. So summarize that again, new domain, warm it up, be confident that it's warmed at least seven days. Start sending your first test campaigns. You mentioned 20 minutes a day. That would be absolutely fine. Iterate on the content until you're comfortable with the kind of open and reply rate that you're expecting. I would hope to see again, at least 30% open rate. If you're tracking open rate and at least one to 2% positive reply rate, that would be booking a meeting, that kind of thing. Once you're confident that you want to scale that up, so maybe you've done a week of testing, you should be good to go to 100 to 150 messages per day with that same domain. I'm assuming you're using one mailbox at this point. It would be good to have a second domain as a backup warming at the same time. So if you're going to do this for one domain, you might as well do it for two. Then if you do have a problem, you hit a speed bump, you use a sequence that doesn't perform so well, you get your first junk report from someone who receives the message, you've got one to switch to, and you've got a little breathing room in order to fix the reputation of the domain, which is a problem, which you can do with additional warming with a service that works. That can take two plus weeks. It depends on how quickly you intervene and how many reports or problems Google has detected with your sending. But typically, if it's not too bad, you should be able to recover it within about two weeks. And then you've got two domains, which again are ready to go. But it's important that the volumes that are going through these domains, whichever it is that you're using for the, the real mail that you're sending out, it's important that the volumes remain consistent over time. So there aren't big jumps, ideally up or down. You can use warming services for this. We also provide this for our clients. So we detect what volume is going through their account and we balance it out. So we don't let too much go through at one time. Typically, we have a 10% plus or minus like algorithm in place basically. So if you send more than 10%, if you're trying to send more than 10% more than the previous day, it's not such a good idea. Better to do it in steps, step up and then step down. Because the goal here is to have your sales mail looking as much like a human's normal mail, like office mail as possible. And office mail doesn't jump from zero to 150 overnight. And it doesn't jump from 150 down to five overnight. And that probably suits your needs too for sales, right? Because you want a steady trickle of prospects and leads to come into your organization. You don't want just sales today or sales this week, but you're going to need the next month for the quotas. So it's a good habit to be in, to have consistent mail going out. It also helps with your deliverability. So it's kind of a win-win. This is fantastic because what I'm hearing is that really dilution is what matters. So if you're drinking some water with a little bit of lemon, it's delicious. But if you add four more lemons in that water and you take a sip, it's just the worst thing you've ever tasted. Now, you can fix that by adding more water and you can get back to kind of a healthy ratio and you're like, oh, this is refreshing again. So that sort of metaphor makes sense to me. I did want to explore what happens when I hit a speed bump. So A, how do I know? It seems like you're talking about tools that will tell me if I'm getting in promotions. Are there other things that I should be aware of that will help me know what, what speed bumps are and if I'm running into them? And B, once my domain is shut down or once that speed bump turns into a brick wall, what can I do? How do I recover from that? How do I step back if I'm sending on my main domain that i am got money invested in and I'm doing a lot of things on? Like, How do I undo that? There's different ways that you're going to know. The most obvious way is that your engagement rates tank all of a sudden. If you want to know in advance, more difficult, you can, of course, register for things like Google Postmaster tools, but typically they won't tell you anything usable. Even if you've got high volumes, it's unlikely that they'll tell you very much. So you can't rely on those early warnings. 
I'm not really aware of an early warning that works. I mean, we know what will cause problems for you. So we have our own early warning systems, like if you're sending too much volume, if you jump around too much. Also, if you use the same content too long, that's not good. Or for example, if you're using the same Google workspace with multiple domains, and one of those domains has a problem, then you can expect the other domains will have a problem pretty soon after because Google does share information about domain reputation between, like it infects domains on the same workspace, basically. So if you want to avoid that, use different ones. So you're going to see the performance drop and that's going to hurt. And when it does, you're going to want to fix it. So at that point, hopefully you have another domain that's ready to go that you've been warming. Either way, you're going to want to fix the domain problem. I mean, it can be cheaper to just dump it and start another one, but it's important that you notice as soon as possible. So probably the software that you're using has triggers or notifications, obviously ideally be checking every day, but some of them will allow you to have performance reports sent to Slack or what have you. That's good to set up if the software that you're using lets you do that. If there's a 10% drop in the performance overnight uh, versus yesterday or something more drastic, you want to know about it so you can take action. When you do take action, stop sending the sequences through that domain. Step up the warming traffic to whatever the volume was that you were previously sending the sales outreach for. So again, there's no big drop. And again, use a warming service that works and leave it there. Leave it pumping through quality warming traffic at a similar volume to what you were using for your sales outreach until you start to see an improvement in the inbox placement, in the deliverability, basically. And again, you should hopefully see that within a couple of weeks. If not, it's up to you. You can invest further in that domain or probably makes more sense to dump it and just switch to another one because you can warm up another domain for this kind of volume within seven days, as I mentioned, and be pretty confident that you can start again. Okay. So we shouldn't be sending on our main domain is kind of the messaging here because it's harder to undo. Absolutely. And it's amazing how many companies do. It's an easy thing to avoid is a problem. I just had one other final question here. You talk about a good warming service or that there are bad warming services. Now, I used one of these warming services when I first started my domain and I wasn't sending any email. And the first email I started to send, my messages were going in spam. And one thing that I noticed was that all those messages were talking about donkeys or whatever. It was the same message that was sent. And I cannot believe that Gmail does not say that, oh, wow, these users are clearly using a warming service. They're all sending the same message to each other. Does that make a difference in a warming service? Like what is a good versus a bad warming service and how do I tell? That is a tough question and it changes over time. And there's new warming services popping up all the time, right? It's a bit of a snake oil problem in this market, I would say. Ones that are established, ones that people that you know, trust and rely on. I recommend some Jordan or myself are probably pretty solid here. I don't really want to name drop individuals, but there are ones which have been burned in the past. Like there are ones that if you do a Google or a search, if you look through Reddit, you'll see that a year ago, all the customers got burned with the warming because Google suddenly penalized retrospectively people who were using that service. That's not a good thing. If you're looking for quality in the content, I would say that it's pretty obvious that you shouldn't include the name of the warming service in the subject line, which some of them still do. I'd also say it's good if there isn't any link back to the service or any content that's obvious within the content. Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them use systems like having just a simple ID as the only identifier in the whole message, subject and body, that it's related to that warming service. Others use different techniques and this is evolving. So I expect we'll see more sophisticated approaches some of them claim to be able to scroll through the messages automatically. Some of them use real human beings to interact with this, but then on a much smaller scale. So two things. What inbox service providers do these warming services support? Do they support Microsoft as well as Google? Do they also support Verizon? Do they support Apple? I'm not aware of any that supports Apple right now. So they don't make that obvious, of course, on the homepage. You'll only maybe ask yourself two months later, 
hmm, all that warming that I was paying for, none of it was going to Microsoft, but that's an important audience for me. So you should check that. A few of them do do multiple ones, and most of them don't let you change the volumes too much. So if you're looking to send hundreds of messages per day, you're going to want a warming partner who's capable of sending a similar volume, because otherwise, how are you supposed to build up that history of sending highly engaged traffic before you start with your outreach? Some of them will only allow you to send 25, 50 messages a day. That might be enough for you, depending on what you're doing if you're in the testing phase, but it might well not be. And also some of them don't give you fine-grained control. So when you step up, when you step down, do they let you do that? Do they automate that for you? These are all things that we take care of automatically in Lightmeter and some of the warming services do, but a lot of them don't. Worth checking. Well, Sam, this has been totally helpful for me. I feel like we've spent 20 or so minutes here peeling back the onion and there's about 100 more layers to go, which is why we use Lightmeter for all of our clients. And I suggest you contact Sam if you have any questions. Thanks to Sam at Lightmeter for joining us. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Sam, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Visit him at getlightmeter.com or email him at sam at lightmeter.io. Okay, that wraps up this go-to-market episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, the CEO of Blueprint, for being our go-to-market guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is inventitorfixit, or you could visit his company's website, which is blueprintgtm.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.